Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for being here. What qualifies someone to lead a federal agency and advise the president as part of his or her cabinet? This week, President-elect Donald Trump announced he'll appoint former political rival Ben Carson as Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Carson has no professional experience with housing. Media outlets, including the New York Times, have reported that Carson once lived in public housing as a child here in Detroit, but the New York Times has since corrected its story, saying he never lived in government housing. Carson himself points to his low-income upbringing in Detroit as a qualification for the job, but how does that prepare him for the important work that HUD does and the serious bureaucratic problems that might exist in the department? Joining me now to talk about this nomination and HUD more generally is Robin Boyle, a professor of urban studies and planning at Wayne State University. Robin, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you for having me on, Stephen. Yeah. So let me quickly just get your reaction to the idea of Ben Carson, an absolute novice in the field of housing and urban development as secretary of housing and urban development. Well, I have a number of reactions. Uh, the, the first reaction is one of, uh, of being appalled, I'm concerned that um, somebody with um, Dr. Carson's background um, is actually now at the helm of, of the Department of Housing and Urban Development. But on the other hand, I, I'm, I'm not surprised. The way I look at, at, at what's been going on for the past, what, four, four weeks now since the election, is it reminds me of P.T. Barnum sort of um, pulling together the different acts for the next big circus that he's going to send to your town, and that town is coming. And then that circus is coming to town very shortly. And, and, and I see each of these discussions of selecting his cabinet as being a little sort of show. And, and um, I have to be honest and say that for housing and urban development, it's hardly going to be um, in, in, in the big tent. Um, housing and urban development is often more of a, of a bit of a sideshow. And I'm afraid that um, there's a long history of, of people being appointed to this really important um, cabinet position who really don't come particularly well prepared. They're also not very well known. I mean, yeah. in, in a sense, this is very Trumpian, isn't it? I mean, they're <laughs> selecting somebody who's been in the, in, in the spotlight, albeit perhaps somewhat negatively. Whereas in the past, I doubt if most people in the street could name you one Secretary of Housing and Urban right. Development, right. never mind anybody else. Yeah. So, so let's talk, though, about HUD more generally. Talk about what HUD actually does, which I'm not sure most people really understand outside the context of uh, managing public housing. I mean, there are a lot of other activities that HUD is involved in. Uh, but but then talk about some of the challenges that face who, whomever is the, uh, the secretary of, of, of HUD, some of the things that, that former presidents have had to confront uh, to try to make the department work better. Absolutely. I mean, HUD is a relatively new creature. I mean, it, it really was born in the, in, in the, in the 1960s yeah. and, and has evolved over time. Housing, the fi- financing of housing, affordable housing, not just the building of, of, of traditional public housing, because that predates it, but, but really the funding of affordable housing is, is at the core of what HUD does, but does a lot more. Um, I, I, I would identify um, activities such as um, neighborhood stabilization mm-hmm. um, as being a very important task that uh, HUD centrally and its uh, regional offices is, is directly concerned with. 
um, addressing the challenges of, of, of the shift of, of society, the deindustrialization of, of the larger cities like the one we live in, are, are all on the, on, the, on the docket for the Department of, of, of Housing and Urban Development. It has a budget of, I believe, um, almost, half, uh, almost $50 billion, um, a very large staff. It's a major bureaucracy because it is dealing with the distribution of funds. Um, and therein lies its, its very important role, this um, transfer of funds, if you want, from the federal government to the locality. And if everything's local, as everything in politics is local, as we are told, then obviously it has a very important role to play. But it also uh, gets involved with um, aspects of um, sustainability, um, how to implement um, challenges to climate change. It, it is involved with economic development. It's a very, very broad portfolio and one that takes, I think, a, a quite significant skill to um, operate the policy, but also the implementation of the activities. Right. Uh, talk about some of the challenges that uh, former secretaries and their presidents have faced with, with HUD. I mean, I, I know that within the federal bureaucracy, it's seen as uh, uh, an underperformer, uh, someplace <laughs> that, that, uh, that doesn't work the way it ought to. Absolutely. I mean, there's a very famous, uh, infamous story of of President Bush, um, uh, sorry, President Reagan, uh, not recognizing uh, his own Secretary of Housing (laughs) and Urban Development, Samuel (laughs) Pierce, who actually served for, I believe it was something like seven years um, as Secretary, and and, and President Reagan didn't didn't actually recognize him. Um, It it has been seen as as a sideshow to some extent, uh, sadly, because it's so important in, in our society, I can only think most people may have heard of Jack Kemp, yeah. who um, was um, a fairly high-profile secretary who brought a sort of Reaganomics into the Department of Housing and Urban Development, seeking to find market solutions. But, but even more recently, um, it's it's been a challenge for um, this, the, the various different secretaries to get their programs front and center, unless there's a crisis, and and therein lies. Um, the sad story, because very often the federal government has has not been proactive in dealing with cities. It's reacted. Uh, one thinks, obviously, of, of New Orleans, uh, but then, of course, of Detroit. Yes. It's rather ironic that on the same weekend as Donald Trump chooses Dr. Carson to lead HUD, the, the, the White House produced a report about the uh, Detroit Federal Working Group mm-hmm. and the activities that the federal government has partaken in with uh, the change in, 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 in Detroit, listing all sorts of activities. So it's a very important department, but one that is often sidelined. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Robin Boyle. He's a professor of urban studies and planning at Wayne State University. We're talking about the nomination of Ben Carson, a native Detroiter, uh, accomplished surgeon, uh, to be secretary of housing and urban development in the Donald Trump administration. Is this an appropriate nomination or is this more of the sort of sideshow that we've seen from President-elect Trump in the way that he is choosing uh, people for cabinet positions who have no real experience in the areas that they will be in charge of. Uh, Robin, I want to ask you about uh, the, the the likely sort of posture that we would see from uh, a Department of HUD under not just Ben Carson, who will be in charge, but, but more importantly, under a Donald Trump, uh, you know, the president is the person who ultimately sets 
the policy direction for these departments. you mentioned the report over the weekend about how active uh, this administration, the Obama administration, has been dealing with the, uh, the, the, the issues that we have in Detroit, the, the development and housing and uh, blight issues here. Will we see a different approach to that under Donald Trump or will we just see it go away? I mean, will we see a sort of receding of departments like HUD from the sort of forefront of, of this kind of activity? Well, I've got two answers to that. I've I've, I've given that a bit of thought over the past few days. I mean, I I think um, on the one hand, it is not unlikely if we get a policy of neglect that um, the programs that uh, Sean Donovan and and President Obama have built uh, will be sort of sidelined or or, or left to wither Mm -hmm. uh, in the the administration of Donald Trump, who will look for – um, more avowedly market-based uh, approaches. On the other hand, and, and I don't want to inflate this, but at least it's worth talking about, is that there has been for about 10 years now a significant conversation about the health of urban America. And by mm-hmm. that, I mean our health, the health of the residents of cities. And um, there's been a conversation that has been led by by people from um, the medical uh, profession, the Centers for Disease Control, by by various academics and and state-level administrators talking about the importance of improving the health of people who live in our cities. Now, if that is the case, and and, uh, Dr. Carson picks up on that, then there could be, there just could be the opportunity for him to make his mark of of actually taking um, a health agenda and bringing it to uh, cities where we have severe urban problems with particulates, with um, um, respiratory diseases, with um, the whole environmental and health nexus that is critical. And, and Detroit is, again, a very good example of that. Now, the fact that he was born in, in, in Detroit is, is perhaps uh, not particularly important, but I think his medical training may give him an understanding huh. of what could be possible if, if we were to, if one, if he and the other departments like Health and Human Services could come together to address some of the problems of, 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 of urban health. Now, maybe I'm, as, that is wishful thinking, but it is one area that um, if he was to choose to use his knowledge, background and connections, he could make a, a little bit of a difference. Yeah. But generally speaking, I would suspect that uh, Donald Trump will seek to find yet again uh, market-based solutions for uh, so, some of the major problems. Of so our what does that look like, though? What is, what, what's a market-based solution to blight, for instance, uh, as opposed well, to the things that, that we've seen come out of the uh, Obama administration? Move and, and look for uh, deregulation of, of, of certain activities and look to see ways in which some form of, of, of incentive packages could be put together that would stimulate the private sector, which, by the way, is, is not dissimilar to what we've been doing for the best part of 40 years, but failing. And, and we know that in, in, in cities like um, Detroit, where the market is, is, is not clearing yet, it is extremely difficult uh, to get these mechanisms to work in the way that, that we want. Uh, if I can just say, I mean, I, I think the really, really sad story of, of, of the fire in Oakland should be a wake-up call to mm-hmm. people to understand that deregulation and, and, and letting um, us become sloppy in terms of, of, of controls and regulations and bringing 
bringing building controls to, to bear is something that we should think about and, and worry about. I would hate to think that we would move down the road, which is possible, of, of trying to um, remove some of these very important controls over where we live and how we live. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm fearful that um, a Trump administration may move us down that road. Yeah. Okay, Robin Boyle, Professor of Urban Studies and Planning at Wayne State University. Thanks, as always, for being with us on Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Okay. Uh, Up next, we're going to talk with Rebecca Sinderbin, a political editor at The Washington Post. More about the Ben Carson nomination ahead, HUD. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Music. News. Community. Culture. Local. Global. Detroit. This is 1019 WDET. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. I want to continue our conversation about Ben Carson's nomination to head the Department of Housing and Urban Development in Washington. Uh, And if you uh, have thoughts about uh, Carson's nomination, uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Joining me now to discuss uh, from a Washington perspective what this nomination looks like is Rebecca Sinderbrand. She is the political editor at the Washington Post. Rebecca, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, a story I read in uh, your newspaper uh, this morning uh, talks about uh, the the conflict of Ben Carson's ideology with the way that HUD has been managed under uh, under President Obama and actually under previous presidents. Uh, talk more generally about sort of how this looks from a Washington perspective. HUD, of course, is one of the largest bureaucracies in Washington, a very difficult department to manage, uh, as we've heard from, from former secretaries. Uh, what's the idea of uh, Ben Carson doing this, sort of how does that play in in D.C.? Well, sure, absolutely. As you note, HUD is an extremely difficult agency to run, even for people with a lot of uh, relevant experience or experience in government. One of them is, of course, particularly when you're talking about privatization, which a lot of people have been talking about privatizing certain elements of um, how the government handles the mortgage guarantee business, for instance, um, that can open itself up to some kind of, you know, troubling outside influences. It's resulted in several scandals in the past, none in recent times, of course, but that has happened in the past. Um, it becomes uh, an opportunity for a, a lot of patronage. And so it's important to have someone at the helm who is um, keeping an eye out for that, who is conscious of the fact that that uh, possibility exists. Um, it's one of the largest bureaucracies out there. It's yeah. um, got far-reaching uh, across the nation, a far-reaching grasp. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of past secretaries of HUD, and, and my first guest on the show sort of uh, made a quip about the fact that he, he figured most people in America couldn't name the current 
uh, secretary of HUD and probably had never heard of any previous uh, secretary uh, of HUD outside of perhaps Jack Kemp, uh, the former f- football star who was who was briefly uh, uh, HUD secretary in the I believe in the Reagan administration. Um, uh, talk about how Ben Carson though fits in the in the line of these uh, the former secretaries. I mean uh, Henry Cisneros. Uh, is a name that that I think some people uh, are familiar with. Uh, Julian Castro, uh, who uh, was also uh, Secretary of HUD, is someone that that was talked about as a potential vice presidential candidate for Hillary Clinton at some point, I think. But but sort of try to put Ben Carson in the uh, along the spectrum of these of these secretaries, if it's possible. Sure. Well, you know, I think if you're looking for any kind of um, a kind of compare Ben Carson to in terms of his background, his experience, his focus, you might have to go all the way back to Ronald Reagan, um, Samuel Pierce, who was on Ronald Reagan's selection for HUD secretary. You know, like Donald Trump, Ronald Reagan is someone who had spoken out against um, social spending, the way social spending was handled, particularly with regards to the inner cities. Um, Like Trump supporters, the majority of Reagan's voters did not live in cities, and he like Trump, did not have a great deal of support among African Americans. Um, and he had pledged, like Trump, to loosen housing and financial regulations. And he picked Samuel Pierce, who didn't have a, a tremendous amount of experience uh, at all with any kind of exposure to government, particularly with HUD, and, and put him in that position. Um, you know, one of the questions that we have, of course, about Ben Carson, and that's been there since the very beginning, is his um, management credentials when it comes to a position like this. He isn't someone, you know, he, he held a position of some responsibility when it was in the medical profession. But, of course, having a position of responsibility at a hospital is very, very difficult sure. than managing a large and sprawling federal bureaucracy. Um, and this is a, was a challenge for um, uh, Samuel Pierce as well. Um, you know, he looked to make dramatic cuts in the agency's budget, um, on the other hand, money, as you know, I noted before, money was channeled to some private developers and contractors. And, you know, because there was very little oversight, uh, uh, there were a lot of issues there. And there was a the sense that Samuel Pierce was a bit of an, a disengaged manager. Right. So that, I think, is kind of the model that some of the people who've been in Washington a very long time have in the back of their minds. Uh, when someone like Ben Carson is proposed for a position like this one. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Rebecca Sinderbrand. She is a political editor at The Washington Post. Uh, we are talking about the nomination of Ben Carson, uh, a native Detroiter, to head the Department of Housing and Urban Development in Washington under the incoming administration of President-elect Donald Trump. Do you think this is an appropriate nomination? Is Ben Carson uh, the kind of person who might shake up uh, public housing and development uh, in the United States? Uh, or is this uh, somebody who shouldn't uh, have had the nomination? Give us a call. Let us know what you think. 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Ryan, on the east side of Detroit, you're up front. Uh, good morning, Steve. Yep. And uh, good morning, Detroit. Um, what I'd like to say is that, if, of course, this man is not—he's um, not an appropriate uh, person for the job. You know, what I see Trump doing is trying to, uh, you know, under the guise of uh, what, what do we call it? Um, 
can't think of it right now, but he's just trying to privatize everything. And, and when you're privatizing things, you're taking tax dollars and you're giving them to corporations who are already well-funded and figuring out how you know, they're just going to figure out how to, you know, essentially mine more, more money out of the government. Right. You know, we have, we have a, 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 the way that I see it is when you are uh, wealthy and you've reached a plateau, you've got to figure out more ways to get money, kind of like a prospector, where you figure out, <laughs> hey, where where where's the resources at? And they found out that, you know, uh, tax dollars or the public sector is where you can mine a lot of money out. Yeah. And that's all that I see that Donald Trump is doing with his with his uh, appointees. He's not really putting anybody in who would do things that are uh, fiscally responsible when we're talking about the public who's actually going to be adversely affected by these decisions. Yeah. Ryan, thanks very much uh, for that call and for making that point. Uh, Rebecca Sinderbrand, uh, talk about the, how easy it or difficult it might be to do what Ryan's talking about. Uh, if you wanted to, to sort of employ a, a, an aggressive agenda of privatization in HUD, would that would that be possible even, or, um, or are there roadblocks in the bureaucracy that make that uh, less likely? Well, well, certainly right now, when you look at the situation in Washington that will exist next year, the Republicans in control of the House, the Senate, the presidency, and, and soon to be the Supreme Court, um, there are very few roadblocks sure. um, in place. Now, as you know, there's the question of bureaucracy, and that's always a question. Um, you know, if somewhat aggressive um, uh, agenda of privatization, the question is if they're able to coalesce around um, a singular agenda. There are many people with competing agendas. Certainly the feeling is that Ben Carson is not someone who comes to this job um, with a, a great deal, uh, with a big agenda of his own, with you know ideas that he wants to put into place that he feels strongly about, um, with ideas that sizes right. um, if they are not his own. And so there's the feeling that you know he is someone who, um, if there is uh, if there is some sort of an agenda that comes his way, whether it be from Capitol Hill, whether it be from the White House, that he'd be willing to take a look at it and consider very adopting it as his own. Um, Ben Carson, like Donald Trump, um, is someone who at this moment, and he would be the first to say this, um, and his advisors have said this, um, he is at this moment a, a symbol in the sense of he is in this job to send a message. Um, his life story, as his um, advisor um advisors have said, is a big part of um, the, the reason that he's in this position. It's meant to send a message. Um, and, you know, much like Donald Trump himself, who doesn't come to the presidency with a great deal of government experience, right, right. Um, Ben Carson doesn't either, but it, it's himself the person um, in this role that sends the message, not necessarily any sort of agenda that he is looking to bring to the job. Yeah, yeah. Ryan, again, thanks very much uh, for the call. Let's go to Barbara in Canton. Barbara. Welcome to the Hi. show today. Yep. Um, I was wondering why, and it's really good we have the press on the line here, I think, because in the primaries, when Ben Carson dropped out and then he started supporting Donald Trump, he was asked why, and he flat out said it's because he offered me a cabinet position. <laughs> he did if say I that. If I supported him, yeah. and then he backtracked on that, but there's a lot of reason to believe that was the truth and now he's actually offered him a position so why isn't anybody picking up on that 
Uh, great question, Barbara. Uh, Rebecca, what, what, what have we heard about uh, the idea that this was some sort of payback for Carson's support during, during the primaries? Well, first of course, uh, well, it's of course important to note that the Trump-Carson relationship has been a saga um, yes. from the very beginning. Donald Trump unleashing some pretty tough attacks at one point against Ben Carson, um, saying that the voters of Iowa would be stupid to believe the crap that came, this is literally his language that I'm quoting here, uh-huh. to believe crap that was kind of Ben Carson's mouth. So, it, you know, some pretty tough attacks. On the other hand, of course, that very quickly shifted around the time of the Iowa caucuses, both of the men focusing their fire on Ted Cruz. And very quickly after Ted, uh, ben Carson dropped out, he joined up Now, during the campaign, uh, Ben Carson was seen as perhaps the best and the worst surrogate um, (laughs) Donald Trump had in that he seemed to make a series of statements that um, almost undercut Donald Trump. And so there was a big question about whether he actually um, saw himself as a future part of the administration. Certainly during the beginning of the transition, both he and his advisors were sending very strong signals that he did not intend to be part of a, um, of a Trump administration. Um, one of his advisors went so far as to say um, that he would be sabotaging the presidency. Again, that's a quote from one of his advisors, um, were he to take a position in the administration because he didn't have the background or the qualifications for it. So, um, right. so this is a pretty big switch. Um, it's seems from the indications are that Donald Trump is the source of this particular position, the idea that Ben Carson would fill this particular position, this idea to be HUD secretary did not come from Ben Carson himself. So um, this is something that only emerged in the past few weeks. Um, Once it emerged, it very quickly coalesced and became clear that um, he was going to be taking this position. But at the beginning of this transition, it was by no means clear that he would, in fact, be part of the administration. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Barbara, that was a great question uh, from Canton. Thank you very much uh, for calling in and asking it. Charlie in Detroit, you're up next on Detroit Today. (laughs) We'll see you. All right. Charlie? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, um, my first thing is, is why not, like, you know, Secretary of Health and Human Services? (laughs) That made more sense, or Surgeon General. And, and what's next? Howard Stern for FCC Commissioner? Come on. <laughs> I mean, we got the shock jack present. Last thing is, is can he put a T on the White House? <laughs> right. Charlie, that's, uh, <laughs> those, are, those are great suggestions. I mean, the, the suggestion about uh, HHS or Surgeon General actually is, I mean, I know you were sort of joking, but, but uh, I mean, it would be more appropriate given his background. I mean, this is somebody who does have extensive experience in the medical field and and has uh, lots of ideas about uh, how we do things in those fields. I'm not sure uh, why he was uh, not considered for for any of those jobs. Uh, but but that's a great point. Go ahead, Rebecca. I would say, you know, when it comes to HHS, one of the members that the Affordable Care Act center stage right. when Congress returns. Um, the dismantling of the Affordable Care Act is a huge both Republican priority and a priority for the Trump administration. And so whoever is leading HHS um, would need to be someone who, frankly, has the kind of managerial 
um, not just on the medical end, but on the um, bureaucratic end, to be able to kind of oversee the process of unwinding that, which is, you know, if it happens, going to be extremely difficult, extremely time-consuming, extremely complicated. Um, and so that, you know, that right there is perhaps one reason why HHS might not have been um, the first choice. Surgeon General, yes, Surgeon General is um, a, a figurehead uh, position, which sure. could have been seen to be, you know, a good fit for Ben Carson. Of course, one of the things um, that people have noticed was that, you know, to date until um, um, the administration, the, the cabinet post, the, the positions that were being held were all themselves with kind of, you know, older white men. Um, and so the was, by all accounts, um, a very deep concern at that point um, because all the positions had been filled by white men. There was a need that, um, there was a feeling that there was a need for a high-profile position to be filled by um, uh, a Trump supporter of color or a woman. And so, you know, that's not to say that Ben Carson wouldn't have been considered for a cabinet position anyway, but putting him in that high profile role um, seemed to be, um, it, it came at the same point that they were having that conversation. Right. So it's just kind of noting that those conversations were happening simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go back to the phones here. Tom in Northwest Detroit. Welcome yeah, to good morning to both of you. Hey. You know what, was it, was it last week, a week before last, when Carson was offered a position, I think what was it the HS, uh, rather with, with the Health and Human Services. Uh-huh. Didn't he say, well, you know, he didn't have any governmental experience <laughs> right. running? Right. I mean, I wonder where. I wonder if he went to Trump University between those two weeks <laughs> and got that government experience. Uh, Tom. <laughs> yeah, right. He figured out uh, the way in. Uh, I, I was, I was struck by that that comment as well when he said that he was not qualified to be secretary of education i figured right. well that's that's a that's a sort of mature assessment of uh the situation and and maybe th- that means he he'll be out uh, uh frankly he he might have been more qualified for secretary of education because there is you know there's a school here named after him i think he's involved with that school to some degree uh at least he he has some knowledge of of schools, if if not uh, school bureaucracy and governance, but uh, but here with uh, with Secretary of HUD, I mean, he he literally has no relevant experience, and I think that's one of the things that uh, that's got people sort of chattering about it and scratching their heads a little bit. I mean, I think to to, to some degree, uh, you know, it will be really important or more important than it normally is for uh, the Senate, which has to confirm the, the cabinet picks, uh, the different committees that these picks go through, it'll be more important to ask really substantive and deep deep probing questions of these nominees about what they know about these subject areas uh, and, and to really test uh, what their qualifications actually look like. Tom, thanks very much uh, for that call. Uh, let's go to Ken in Detroit. Ken in Detroit, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, good morning. How are you today, sir? Yes. Good. Hey, uh, I, I just want to make a correlation to Anne Ryan. Um, I, I just got finished watching the 1959 interview with Mike Wallace, and I've seen this interview several times, and I have to go back through it. To get, uh, every time I go through it, I get uh, a deeper understanding of Anne Ryan. She spoke about privatization of roads, schools, uh, anything that could be privatized in her eyes as far as the government, uh, which made government smaller, 
would be a good thing. Um, we have four years to deal with Trump, and I think that the people that voted in the uh, majority for him will find out in the end that, that was a wrong mistake. So all I can do is say, buckle down for four years, let him do his thing, but please comment on if you see any correlation to Ann Ryan and his policies. Have a great day, sir. Yeah, no, thank you very much uh, for the call, Ken. Uh, I appreciate that point as well. Uh, Dustin in Detroit, you're up next on Detroit Today. Dustin? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, when I was a little kid, I got taken for a baseball card by a, by a kid older than me that knew more about baseball. And so if I was uh, in the president's elect position, um, I'd pick somebody for the, the, the HUD position that knew absolutely nothing about it and nothing about real estate. Because um, I'm a real estate tycoon, right? And then I then I could exploit the situation. <laughs> and so, uh, the, the idea being that that if you want to control uh, whatever department or area this is, you'd pick somebody who you could manipulate. That's sort of your theory. Yeah, that's the best way to exploit any situation. Yeah. Pick someone that doesn't know anything about it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Dustin, thanks uh, for, for making that call. Rebecca Senderbrand, before we wrap this up, uh, uh, talk about the the way that Carson fits in the sort of uh, context of the other nominees that we've seen. I mean, uh, he, he does seem to fit there better, I suppose, than with uh, the, 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 the group or the environment of former uh, uh, secretaries of HUD. In other words, uh, there, there is a sort of theme taking shape around the way President-elect Trump is is picking people for these jobs. Oh, I think maybe we lost Rebecca there. All right. Uh, are you there? Yes, I'm right. Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, one of the messages that we're getting so far from these picks is um, Donald Trump is looking to send the message that he will govern the way he would like to govern without a lot of regard for the usual, you know, niceties of Washington. Um, you know, someone like Mitt Romney, who remains in the running for secretary of state, uh -huh. but is not at this point necessarily um, even the leading candidate or gimme for the job, would be more of a cabinet type pick. He has made a series of picks um, that probably would not find a home in nearly any other administration um, in the past or with any of the other candidates who had run or a few of the other candidates who run. So he, he very much fits into that context. I think one other kind of quick note, which is kind of unique to this position, is you look at someone like Donald Trump, who comes from the real estate industry, whose family arguably, you know, made its original fortune, thanks in part to government housing policy um, and uh, funding they received for building middle class housing and, and other areas like that. So he knows how the system has worked in the past, um, the potential for um, private individuals uh, to be able to take advantage of the system and work within the system. And certainly he himself has worked within that system. So um, he clearly has um, a very strong understanding of the system. Whether or not he has the motivation to change it um, in any dramatic ways, it remains to be seen. 
Um, but certainly the imbalance between where his knowledge of the system is and where his selection for HUD secretary's knowledge of the system is, is very stark. Yeah. Okay. Rebecca Sinderbrand, uh, political editor at uh, The Washington Post, as always. Thanks for joining us on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right. Coming up next, we're going to talk with comic Paula Poundstone, who will be in town later this month, about this year's crazy election. What was comedy versus reality this year? Really hard to tell. Stay with us on Detroit Today.